Gotta get the people to start seeing it. That's why. The story. And now it's just recording for. Yeah, and then I'll throw that on YouTube and then throw it on. Because it'll go everywhere. It'll go Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, every everywhere a podcast goes. Um, but this is episode 93, 100 podcasts. I brought in Cole Bates, uh, professional fucking bullfighter, bull, I don't know, bull rider, <laughs> motorcycle rider, like, dude, ev- everything, a little bit of everything, just adrenaline junkie, I feel like, bro. Yeah. Uh, my first question, because knowing you from high school, bro, I played football with you in La Quinta High School, and you were crazy back then, man. What, what was your upbringing like, dude? Like, from the beginning, were you just crazy as a kid too? Were you wild? Well, I'm, I'm fourth generation cowboy, so my whole family does rodeo, and I've just always been around those type of people. I mean, I'm pretty mild mannered compared to the rest of my family. You're like, it's just, it just, it's normal for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I grew up in Sky Valley uh, over on my parents' ranch, so uh, I was always kind of away from everybody at, at high school. I, I did the sports and then I left and did my other sports extracurricular yeah. afterwards. I would remember you'd leave and you'd, you'd go bull riding and, bro, this was like, this was high school, man. You're like 16 or whatever and you're jumping on bulls, like... Yeah. I mean, I, I were you up, fearful? At I grew all? up. Well, I grew up. I, I started riding sheep when I was um, like four, and then I moved up to calves and steers and and junior bulls. And then, so it's a whole like process slowly. Yeah, I guess if somebody just first jumped on the bull and they've never been on anything like that, then you could have that. It'd be scary. It, it could be pretty scary. I mean. My adrenaline pumps for sure, you know. But I mean, I haven't ridden a bull for almost close to a year now because I've been just really focusing on bullfighting, and my bullfighting has really been taking off. And what got you into that? What got you that direction? Well, growing up in practice spins and stuff like that for like bull riding stuff, we all uh, kind of used to switch off bullfighting and like protecting each other. So I mean, not a lot of people know. Like when they think bullfighting, they think like Spaniard bullfighting. So, With the little red. Yeah, what I'm saying is it's uh, like cowboy protection. So we protect the bull riders. You know. So that's basically when they when they fall, right? You guys kind of distract the bull, yeah. something like that, yeah. keep them from getting stomped out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I just all the practice pins that we grew up in, we didn't have any bullfighters, so we all were each other's bullfighters, and I. Uh, I just started to just go to the practice pins and not even get on. I was just protecting my friends, and then I started messing around and doing freestyle bullfighting, and then that's that's a whole different aspect. Freestyle bullfighting is uh, it's just me versus the bull, and they're Mexican fighting bulls, and we get judged on a hundred point scale. Just that's like the that. one. Is that where you're rolling over the back of the bull? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What kind of tra- What what kind of training are you doing for that? Are you doing like um, Almost like parkour type training, bro. Because I feel like you gotta like. I, I'm more like high intensity workouts. Okay. I mean, uh, Weston Rutalski is four-time BFO world champion. He's my he's my coach, and he sends me workouts. He's from Texas. He sends me workouts every day. So um, pretty much whatever he sends me. That's what you're working on. Yeah. I mean, if it's coming from the the best in the world, then I know that. 
that's I'm doing right, you know? Yeah. It's pretty much a lot of cardio, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of slimming exercises. I mean, it's a totally different kind of deal from cage fighting from when I was. What are you getting, what are you getting graded on or what are, what are the judges looking for when you're bullfighting? So, uh, we've got, depending on where you go to fight, sometimes fights will be 45 seconds, sometimes fights will be 60 seconds. The ones that I'm going to be going to are going to be, uh, a minute long. So, the first 45 seconds is just uh, regular rounds, trying to trying to evade the bull. If the bull's touching you, then you're not going to be getting that much points. But you got to keep the bull engaged. And um, the last 45 seconds is like considered the bonus round. If you end up getting hit by the bull, it doesn't count against you and stuff like that. Uh, so the la- is the last round you're supposed to like be more edgy, like like take yeah, more risks, yeah, kind of. Yeah, sell the show. That's pretty much what they. They always say, like, if you ever watch any of the fights at last 15 seconds, you hear people yell, sell the show, sell the show. So, like, make a really good fake, do a flip, or, you know, just do a really good pass on the bull. <laughs> so. <laughs> what, how, what's the travel like, I should say, for a, for a bullfighter? Are you, is this a 24-7, like, all year round, or are, are you doing this? Because you said BFO, so I'm guessing bullfighting champion, BFO. Bull, uh, bullfighters only, so that, that's what that organization okay, is. Okay, all right. The best way I could say it is like uh, the the BFO and the UBF are like the two top bullfighting organizations, freestyle bullfighting organizations. And then you have other organizations where I'm doing like cowboy protection kind of stuff, and that's like the PRCA and the PBR which I'm trying to get into. That's what I originally was trying to do. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, I've heard of the PBR. My, is that my, not... That's, like, the biggest... My, yeah, that's the biggest uh, bull riding organization. But my path just kind of took me more towards the freestyle side. And, I mean, I'm still trying to get my um, licensing for the PBR and, and for the PRCA so I can still protect my buddies and stuff, you know? That's what I... I could definitely for. see why you would go towards the freestyle just knowing you bro you've always been I don't know you've just been a little off the wall man (laughs) a little more off the wall um how how do you I guess in the moment there when you're when you're getting uh when you're in the middle of that that situation how do you keep your mind grounded or keep you focused on just the situation and not you know not it's funny so I'm probably gonna mention Weston a lot but He's a, he's a big like mentor of mine and I look up to him a lot but uh, one of the things that he says is uh, I can I will I must so no matter what he goes into that's he's what gonna he, do that's, it. that's what he always says right before he does it and, and when he told me about that it's kind of like really sunk into me and I always do that now like before I go do something that, that's really high intensity I always say like can I will I must I can fight bulls I will fight bulls I must fight bulls you know like and it just gets me right in the right mindset so uh, that's not mine personally I took that from him but it's really helped me yeah. yeah and even you're also I don't know how when when the last time you fought was but you you've done MMA as well right yeah Makes more I'm, uh, I'm actually a professional MMA fighter as well so I'm two and two as a pro Six and four as an amateur. 
<laughs> bro, you were like Cowboy Cerrone, bro. I st- I, you, dude, it's so funny that you say that because actually, uh, Cowboy Cerrone was on our race team this this last year at the, the Mint 400. No way. Yeah, he was in our hooligan class. How was that? It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a group of my buddies, they all they all ride Harleys and they, uh, they build race bikes and stuff. So they got me into it, and I had a I had a sporty, and we converted it over into a desert bike and went out there and raced in the desert. Are you always just trying to push yourself, bro? Like, is it... Is I don't it know, just... things just kind of fall in my lap when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's just the people you're kind of around and I, everything? I think and... it's the people that I hang out with, yeah. It's yeah. Just, all my friends are pretty intense people, and they, they do crazy stuff. Do you have any goals from all this? Do you have any... Do you, Is there anything you would like to focus on the most, if you had a choice? My bullfighting. My yeah. bullfighting is my number one, because uh, I, I feel like I'm that's what I'm best at. I'm, I'm a really good freestyle bullfighter, and uh, I feel like I could really take this somewhere. So I'm trying to focus on that, and I wanna, I wanna eventually, when I can't fight anymore, I wanna be able to at least teach this stuff, you know. So I, I, I wanna be able to be known as one of the best in the world. So and keep that yeah. going as long as possible. Yeah. We were speaking on it a little before the podcast and we didn't really get too deep into it but doing all these wild things man have you ever gotten yourself badly injured have you ever even like gotten a bull stomping on you bro like have you ever had one of them step on you yeah i've um, seen some of those videos and I they're fucking this, psycho i got this dude. scar like a couple weeks ago oh shit from, from the development camp for the bfo Oh, damn. Is that from the horn? That's from the horn, yeah. It went up under my chest protector. Oh. But uh, that's just surface, like like a scrape kind of thing. Bro. I've been stepped on and thrown in the air and stuff, but, like, nothing too major, you know? Yeah. I mean, these cuts and stuff like that over my eyes were from cage fighting. Um, so, like you I, said, you uh, it got under your chest protector. What type of protection are you wearing for, for bull riding? So, uh... Or bull fighting. Either we one. wear, uh... Um, Jones Pro Gear. It, it's a company that makes the um, bullfighter vests. I don't know their history exactly, but if I remember correctly, back in the day there wasn't no nobody wore vests or anything like that. So it was uh, it was just kind of like if you wanted to wear some sort of padding, you wore some sort of padding, and then the guy that owns um, the company now he he started developing these type of vests, and then I should have brought it so that I can show you, but. So now they're pretty normal. Most yeah, people it's, do. It's pretty. It's pretty common to see fighters wearing them now. That would make sense. So you don't get fucking stabbed with the horn. Yeah, I mean it, it protects on my sides and then on the front and on the back. But uh, um, some of us wear uh, uh, hockey like pads underneath. I just wear uh, like padded shorts. They protect my sides and the front, and then I have there's like a, a pad that's on my tailbone, and then I wear my knee braces and then that chest protector. So kind of protection everywhere a little yeah. bit, huh? Yeah. When you're just kind of transition, when you're when you're prepping for a fight, bro, what is what is that preparation like? Like, what what is your training camp like? Do you have a certain? Do you have a normal like eight week training camp, or do you have like is there what is what is your average? I don't know your average steps up to a fight. Your timeline. Cage fight. Yes. Cage fight. Okay. Cage fight. So cage fighting. Transfer into MMA. Sorry yeah. for people that listen. <laughs> We're going into cage fighting. Yeah, I just had to ask. So normally what we would do is, um, I mean, it, it doesn't always work out this way, but 
when we could and we had control over it, we wouldn't take any fights any further than two months out. So like our first month before the fight was our bulking and like so we were eating red meats and, and like stuff that just takes a little bit longer to digest but high in protein kind of stuff. Okay. So we would bulk up and then the last month it would just be white meats and greens and, and That's your a, cut bunch, phase? a bunch of cardio and, and cut, yeah. Get out all the carbs and yeah. all that shit? Yeah, no carbs that last month. What were you fighting at? Or what are you fighting at? What weight class? Uh, welterweight, yeah. What is that, 175? 170. 170, yeah. And what are you cutting from? Uh, I normally cut from anywhere... I, I fluctuate anywhere from 195 to 203. So. How, how do you feel in those last... Do you, do you feel like cutting... Let's say, okay, let's say... Would you rather there be no cutting in MMA? Or would you rather... Or it how it is where everybody cuts and you kind of you're not even really like you are. I guess you're fighting at your weight class for that fucking. It's funny day. You, say you know that what I'm saying? Because there are actually um, a bunch of different studies that they're doing right now. They, uh, I remember um, actually one of my last fights. They were starting to actually weigh us again the fight day. Not, Interesting. Not, not not anything against us or anything, but they were just trying to do research on like how much people gain after weight cuts and stuff like that see just, what you yeah. what what you got back yeah so um, what were you seeing would you would, would did you see any of that the, the mo- stats the most I've ever gained after a weigh in was uh, 18 pounds damn yeah. it's pretty much water weight man yeah, yeah because you're just sucking it all out right yeah. so when you're just I mean, when you're on the when you're on the scale you're basically just dehydrated as fuck no dehydrated but I mean we are I mean the last week of our fight like when I'm when I'm getting ready, I'm probably sitting at like one seventy five to one seventy eight. So it's not too bad of a cut though. No, last week. my 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 water weight, I, I I cut it really easy. That that's like the easiest part of the training camp. But getting to that uh, that one seventy five to one seventy eight is the hardest part. I think it, it's just perseverance. Perseverance. That's all. What what was. What's the jump from amateur fighting to pro? Like what, or what? What in your process? I get. I guess I should say. When did you feel like it was your time to take that next step to professional fighting? Or do you even choose? Is it kind of like, all right, your your trainer or whatever is like, all right, it's time to. I don't know how that works. It was kind of like a, a a group choice. I mean, anybody can go do the paperwork and technically sign go up, pro. Sign up because I mean, there's organizations that'll take. People yeah, that have trash. Never fought before, and they—I don't want to say trash, but I mean. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna, saying, bro. I'm not man. gonna say the organization. If I win, fought, I get beat up, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But uh, in my opinion, the organizations that I've fought for when I became pro, um, it was more evenly matched fights, you know. Uh-huh. Then, I mean, I've I've had I've had a couple fights where I've had fighters that I was supposed to fight fall out, and then I end up fighting somebody that just came in last second just came in last second you know and I I mean that's shitty that's shitty to come in the last second because you're ill prepared because I've been training for a month and a half to two months I'm ready to rock and roll you know you come in two weeks exactly bro and you're probably coming in immediately into a cut like I gotta try to make weight yeah I mean might have been just most of those guys that that are doing that they're not they're not doing a big weight cut they're just they're, they're close to that weight as it is already so then fight day I'm already weighing five pounds more than them you know but i mean sometimes five pounds it's game of inches sometimes you know? yeah so yeah but um i i i like fighting as a pro 
way more than I did as an amateur just because I I don't know just the fighting against another professional is a lot different than fighting against amateurs you know it's just it's just more intense is it more real is it not just that like you you almost know what they're gonna do compared to I get what amateurs you're they're a little more wild and unpredictable you know um, yeah it's but um you could you could happen to run into Mike Tyson or you could run into fucking <laughs> hey, Ronald McDonald hey, or something. Like, every, like everybody says, dude, everybody's got a slugger's chance. No, yeah, yeah, so. yeah for sure. Well, uh, you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it on plenty of those UFC fights, dude. A dude's getting beat up, getting tore up, and then he just swings one, bro, and then guy gets a little too yeah. wild trying to finish the show, and he gets cracked, and then right. he gets put to sleep. How how do you are, what are you more stressed out? Are you even stressed when you're in a fight, bro? Because you've, you've dealt with so much just, I feel like, high-intensity situations. You know, you got a fucking bull that is, I don't know how much that weighs, like 700 pounds, 800 pounds coming at you. Like, is a man even that scary? Yeah. Or intense? I mean, um, I mean the cool thing about cage fighting is you know that it, you got somebody in there to pull them off you and, and stop it. You know? Yeah. The bull, bull wants to kill you the whole time, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly so, there's not uh, really a guy that can pull a bull off you I uh we all do protect each other though all the the competitors like when we're doing freestyle at, um shows and stuff we're all sitting on the fence and we're not just there to compete we're there to protect our brothers too so I mean if one of our guys gets in in trouble bullfighting like we all jump down and pull the bull off so it seems like a big brotherhood just kind of like a, I don't know somewhat MMA I know there's a lot of kind of battles or fake whatever but I feel like that's a big brotherhood especially when you end up fighting somebody or whatever, man, you guys kind of, you just end up having a connection after that, you it's know? It's funny, because everybody that I've ever fought, like, we're actually good friends now. Like, yeah, it just I, makes sense. Like, most of the people that like my stuff on Facebook or Instagram stuff are guys that I've fought before, so it's, it's, I don't know, you, when, when you've been in that situation with somebody and, and like, you've battled with each other, like, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of brotherhood that you that you get, you know? Yeah, and then maybe you guys, you guys, yeah, you guys have gone all the way to the edge, you know? Yeah. You're like, you've, You've done that. You've literally gotten physical with especially, each other. Especially fights that, that go the distance and, and, and it, it's left up to the judges. That's Those are battles that I'll always remember. Yeah, 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 exactly. So. Those are straight wars, bro. Yeah, what what fight team are you under and what's your, what is your, uh, I don't know, what's your focus? What is your main uh, martial art? We're, we're, uh, we're Kihon MMA and it's actually my brother's gym in Desert Hot Springs. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I grew up watching my brother fight, so I, I was, I've always been in the fight world and the rodeo world. It's just been kind of like a... a it's just been a part thing. of your life? Yeah, it's been, it's been a part of my life. Interesting. So, my brother has that gym. He's had multiple pro fighters under him. He's an excellent coach. Um, he's actually focusing more on a lot of the, the pancreation and kids' fights right now. And uh, he's one of the top-ranked schools in the nation. For kids fights um my my main focus though is is brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah yeah that's uh, have you done any uh jiu-jitsu matches jiu-jitsu tournaments i've done show? a few i've done a few um on my earlier years, years when i was a blue belt but uh i haven't done them as a purple no. belt at all mm. yeah i I'm, started doing jiu-jitsu I'm close, I'm close to getting my my brown belt coming up soon uh i'm gonna go to we're affiliates with CSW in Fullerton. It's a 
with Eric Paulson. Okay. And uh, he's the one that does all of our coaches' training and stuff like that. So I'm going to be going there in August and seeing if I can test for my brown belt. Yeah, jiu-jitsu, I, I didn't do it very long, bro. But for the couple months I did it, bro. That was a pretty crazy sport to start learning, you know? Just start you got, seeing. You got, you got out before you got your qualifier? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I got out <laughs> real early, bro. I want to go back in, though, honestly. I just got so much going on, I didn't get back in there. But, uh, dude, just the amount of technique and just the different directions you can go from one position is just so crazy, bro. Or the submissions, you know? The way you can put somebody to sleep out of... I graduated a couple of years um, later than you, but did you did you end up wrestling at all? No, no, you didn't. I didn't wrestle. I played. It's crazy. You just went into jujitsu. Yeah, after high school. You're like, I want to try this. Yeah, bro. Yeah, so I, I wrestled all through high school, so it was kind of like a. a it was easy, a stepping stone. Kind of a little easy, easier transition for me. I feel like I would say easy because I mean, there's a lot of Jesus, bro, and you wrestled. I, did, I forgot I did, you wrestled, I did track bro. Too, bro. You are just. I did track too. You never did you did you ever at any point feel like you needed to take a break? Was there ever a time where you're like, Jesus, bro, I need to just, or is it just too fun? Like, are you just enjoying yourself and just enjoying life? I mean, growing up, my family's always been on the go. I mean, we've been all over the United States. So yeah, I'm, I'm always used to traveling and going places. Just it's kind of what I'm used to. So, I mean. Like, in high school, what I would do is, whether I was doing football, wrestling, or track practice after school, after that practice, I would go either to Norco to do bull riding practice, or I would drive up to um, to Yucca Valley to do calf roping practice, or I'd go down to Winchester to do steer wrestling practice. So was, oh, my God. <laughs> That's how I felt, uh, just on the football field watching you. I don't think, I think what made you so scary was your... Just drive, bro. Like your grind. You were willing to just keep a pressure on everybody, and you weren't. You wouldn't stop, you know. And that's probably like you said. You're always on the move. Like you never were tired. And if you were tired, you didn't give a fuck, you know. Like it didn't. I mean, it didn't bother you. You gotta. You gotta remember the guys that that were on the team with me. Though you went against some savages. Like, yeah. Like Navali and Sean and all them. Those guys. Those guys were animals. And uh, they mean, were real. Football players, yeah, all, man. All the, all those, all those guys that were my, were in my class. We, uh, we all pushed each other really well. So I think that's, I think that's what, honestly, those guys I think are what helped develop me. To, yeah. Like, become a, a, like an athlete like I am today, just because. You guys just built a, I don't know. You guys built a. a... Yeah, it's cool. It's cool seeing them now though too, because I mean everybody's still in, in pretty decent shape and everything too. And, they're all starting their own families too and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It was it was cool seeing Navali, bro. Seeing Navali just, you yeah. know, prosper, you know, went yeah. to killed it at Colorado State, went to the military and I was just... so proud when he went to Colorado State. I I was in there when he got the sign for that. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was super cool. Yeah. There was, man. there was a little group of us that were able to go up there and uh Oh that's and legit. Watch it. That was cool. Where where did you end up playing college football at? And I, how long? Just College of the Desert. Yeah. I only played for one season. Did you I, like I, it? I, I loved it. I really did. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I played middle linebacker. <laughs> middle linebacker? Yeah. Savage, yeah. bro. It's, it was kind of a different step for me because, I mean, I played nose guard in high school and then, and tight end. Yeah. But I was too small to be on the line for at COD because, I mean, there was a bunch of Samoans and 
Alaskan boys that we had. Well, bro, you were literally like the skinniest nose guard I've ever seen, but the fastest. Fast. You put the spin I, move I, on I, everybody, I, bro. I averaged three point five sacks a game, bro. Three and a half sacks a game. Yeah, that was that was my average. <laughs> Man, just, yeah. that was quick. But I mean, you can get away with that kind of stuff in high school. I mean, but when when you get into college ball, you're, you're going to get snappers that are like. They're ready for those quick boys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're well, going to hold my skinny ass. <laughs> they're going to lay your ass out. in the dirt. Yeah, you know? They'll so, get one arm on you, yeah. bro. And what? Because I, I didn't wrestle, and all I all I heard was how hard the preparation was for wrestling matches or even just wrestling practice. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? Like, when you were in wrestling, uh, was that your toughest preparation, I guess? Because where, where, I would see those guys running miles and shit. It, honestly, man, we had some really good coaches that we came to. Yes, for all sports. I think I, mean, I think just to, sorry to interrupt you. I think Armstrong did did not get enough love. You know, after like after you know what he just didn't get enough love for how much he did for the the football program and the school in general. Because after he left, Armstrong, bro, it kind of went. Coach Armstrong was like a dad to everybody. You know, like yeah, he, bro. He he put you in your place and. Like, he developed all of us as men. Exactly. I think uh, Tom Jenkins, Coach Jenkins, he, he was one of the... He was a great man, too. Oh, man, absolutely. God bless him. Um, I mean, Coach Shipley, he was my, my track coach. And he, he went on to Shadow Hills. He was an amazing coach, too. He, he I, don't, I don't know if you remember him. I do, I do remember him. He was never my coach, but I heard a lot of good things about that guy. Yeah. Man, Coach Brown was my tight end coach, too. Coach you Brown, I miss coach that guy, Brown, bro. Yeah, God bless him, too, man. Like, I can't believe uh, some of them are gone now. But uh, those those men made us into men. So I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I think that's a good point, bro. It wasn't even the preparation. It was the coaches. Because that's a, that's a huge deal. I don't think a lot of coaches get, get love, good coaches, because it... Uh, it takes that man where where especially as teenagers you're kind of weak you know like in yeah. your in your brain you're just you're yeah, really and, mentally uh, weak you know makes us focus on 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 what's what's true in our in our heart you know? yeah exactly so yeah bro that that's that's a tough lesson man watching the watching the people you love pass away bro or or move on to the next the next life man you realize how short life can be the only thing that you can do is just carry on their memory and just carry on what they taught you. Yeah. That's all you can do. And never forget them. That's it. Yeah, man. What's your uh What's your big goal, man? Do you have any you have any big goals in the next five, ten years? Just take the bullfighting, see where it goes, take the MMA, see where it goes and just I mean kinda uh, go with the flow. I wanna right now for the MMA, uh, the money's not in it for professionals right now. Like, if you're not in the UFC, I mean, even some of the guys in the UFC, they're not making dirt. Bro, they're making some, bro, <laughs> bro, so, I mean, I can't believe they're in the UFC. Like, you're, you're, you're the top organization. You're making, like, 5 and 5 or 10 and 10 or whatever the fuck, bro. It's not like, just that, though. You gotta, and you gotta pay your coaches and shit. You, you gotta be able, yeah, I was gonna say, you gotta pay your coaches, you gotta pay, if you have an agent or anything like that, you gotta pay onto that, too, but, I mean, it's the way you sell yourself, too, so, it's, it's all a marketing thing. You got you got to be marketable and you got to be a good fighter. So uh, I, I believe I'm a good fighter, but right now, especially when COVID hit, there's really no money in it for any of the other organizations right now. Yeah, I believe within the next mm, four to five years, the money's gonna start coming back, and 
then that's when I can go go back into cage fighting. But right now, uh, I'm really, really loving bullfighting, and I think I can win a world title as a bullfighter. I mean, I've, I've won a professional title. How many people are you competing as a, against as a bullfighter if you're trying on, to go for the national depends on Depends on which... Um, well, right now, so like the BFO, there's 25 of us on the roster for the bullfighters only. I don't know about the UBF... Uh, because I just got invited to the UBF as like a fill-in for these these first two, but like my main organization that that I fight for is the Bullfighters Only. How do you get invited to it, or what do you have to do to get get? I I got invited by going to the development camps. I went to two different development camps, and the first one I went to, I ended up they give out three awards. I got the Heart and Hustle Award at the first um, development camp. And then the second development camp, I got the Most Valuable Athlete Award. Jeez. And then there at the at the development camp, they they told me that I was going to be invited. So it was a that's, it was an honor. That's I mean, fucking guys, cool, man. If you guys want to see me in tears, go to the Bullfighters Only Instagram page because they posted a little tiny snippet of what uh like me thanking everybody because I had to do like a little speech when they gave me the. And there's only 25 people in the on the roster. On the roster, yeah. There was about 15 of us at the um, development camp, and at that time I was the only one that got invited. So wow. it, it's a it's it's, it's, it's pretty hard deal. to get onto, but I mean if you're if I mean any one of those guys at the development camp they could be invited at any time because I mean especially this last one I went to they were some some real athletes. What are you guys doing when you're in the development camp? How are they, like, testing you guys? How are they, how are they, I don't know. What, Just what going it? over different techniques. Is this, like, a fucking combine? Like a, yeah. It's, yeah? Yeah, it's, like, the best way you can put it right there for bullfighters. That's exactly what it is. Ooh. So, uh, uh, they, they do everything from uh, getting us ready in the gym, showing us how to properly prepare for bullfighting in the gym, and then we go to the arena and we work on foot drills and stuff like that with just dummies. And, uh, after we do the dummy drills, the next day we'll go back to the arena, or we'll go back to the gym, and then we'll go back and do the dummy drills again, and then after that we'll do live cattle. And live cattle, they normally start out with heifers, smaller cattle, and then uh, uh, after that, the following day is when they normally move up to the bigger cattle, the stags and the actual bulls. So, and just kind of see how you do every day. And yeah, I mean, out of, out of all, I think we had 15 or 16 of us this last development camp. Uh, out of all of us, only six of us made it all the way through to the end. Like everybody was there at the last day, but yeah. they, they either got messed up or or tweaked or something like really? that. Really, only six of us were able to finish through the development camp. So it was. Uh, That's kind of crazy, actually. So only a third cool. of the people basically were yeah. able to finish it. Yeah, but I mean, is there fucking a Navy SEAL training or something? <laughs> 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 I wouldn't say that shit. Those guys go through some real shit right hey, now. Hey, what's up? Infamous Impact. Who is that, bro? What's good, bro? I don't know who that is, but they keep writing something. Pop Princess, what's good? Man, that's crazy, bro. What type of training are you doing in the weight room for bullfighting? Um, so for, for the development camps, we normally, uh, they try to kill us on the first day. They try to take our legs away. Cause yeah, they, 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 they want to see who's they, really ready they wanna, to go. They want to see our heart. That's exactly what they want. So uh, they want to see who's going to be able to handle getting stabbed by a bull and keep going. <laughs> well, they, really? they they tip they tip the bulls too. So that's about like a 
I mean, you can still get scraped and stepped on and stuff like that by the horns, and I mean. But they're not sharp at the end. You could absolutely get gored, but I mean, they're. I think uh, a half dollar size they come to, or or, or a nickel size. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Gotcha. Yeah, they normally shave them down. Um, But uh, and it's nothing crazy. It's like clipping your toenails, guys. Don't. I know, right? Get all crazy. I've seen, dude. I've seen the when they change the horseshoes, bro. Like, my dad's a horseshoe. That looks crazy. Yeah, and then the horseshoe doesn't get, like the horse doesn't give a fuck, obviously. So it obviously doesn't hurt, but it looks crazy, bro. That's just the way like, they're cutting it up. It's like, just like a toenail, they, right? They just have one one toenail. That's all one they huge got. ass yeah, toenail. That's it. That's crazy. just like how you have a uh, you have that little white line on the on the tip of your finger where you know where, where to cut where to clip to. If you clip further, you're gonna bleed. Yeah, same thing with them. Yeah, and then you gotta flatten them out and uh, make sure that the shoe's nice and smooth and flat and the correct size and, and then there's special nails that they nail on when they nail on they they come out to the side and then you twist them off and clamp them down so it kind of keeps and, and, and then you and then you rasp the, the hoof to make it like nice and smooth and so it doesn't get caught or anything yeah like, keep keep the hoof healthy too it's just like just like a, you're getting a pedicure yeah, yeah pedicure without the nails yeah, crystal jail for your nails <laughs> 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 bro, hey, so you grew okay. Your dad's a, a horseshoer, like you just said. So you did you you just grew up like on a farm and shit. Did you just grow up like horses, yeah. just full on? I, I grew up with horses and bulls and so you were just dogs. You were working bulls. hard from day one, bro. Were you out there just fucking whatever, I mean, pulling hay and fucking picking up shit from like being a little kid, bro? Like were you just like normal, oh, normal? ranch kid life you know we have chores just like everybody yeah. else has chores yeah everybody else has chores but yeah. i feel like ranch life you, you guys you're a little you're, more you're, like you're picking up dog poop i'm picking up horse poop it's the same thing <laughs> yeah that's you know? true yeah it's not like child labor you know it's not like no i don't think it's child our, labor i just feel like kids it. are out there whipping our backs like no i just feel like growing up keep on, on, a, on digging uh, <laughs> i feel like i just feel like growing up on a farm i don't anymore puppy <laughs> Nah, not like that. Not child slavery. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Just growing up on a farm, man. Obviously, you got to be a little, a little tougher. I feel like, or growing up out a little. I don't know. Just dealing with more wild animals and shit. You gotta, you gotta be more, more prepared. I guess for real life. But if you're dealing with a horse and shit, it's a little more intense than dealing with a dog. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like growing up with a dog, you know what a dog's manner mannerisms are, right? Yeah. Same thing with a horse. You know grow up with horses you learn their mannerisms you know you know how to act around them you know how to walk around them you know same kind of thing it's just different world you grow up in that's it yeah yeah now would you being a, being a dad bro you have your one year old yeah. how what would you think of your son if he was bullfighting or bull riding is there is there a part of you that would be nervous and like feel scared of letting him do something like that or playing tackle football for example just because of the science behind deep you know. down my son is probably one of the biggest things that drives me to make me want to set a path for him so if he wants to follow my path then it's absolutely open to him but I mean if he decides to go do something else then I'm gonna support him in whatever he decides to do that's great also I mean I mean, that's exactly what my dad did. My dad set a good path for me, and I, uh, I decided to follow down and, and continue on the rodeo career. And, and 
I found my own path within the rodeo world. And yeah, that's a tough thing. That's a tough balance because obviously you want to protect your kids and keep them safe, but in reality, especially as a as a boy, you got to kind of just yeah. you got to let them live, bro, and let them deal that's, with their that's injuries. What my, did. Yeah, my, my mom and my dad, they they were always out there pushing me. Whatever I decided to do, like they they were like, "All right, let's go, let's go do it." You know? So, yeah. I mean, they they never said, "No, it's too dangerous" or none of that stuff. You know, they're just all like, "All right, well, if you want to do it, let's go do it." <laughs> Speaking on being too dangerous, bro, before I close up this part, let me make sure this thing's still recording. Before I close this shit up, bro, I wanted to I wanted to give you something. I don't know if you ever heard of D.B. Cooper. Have you ever heard of D.B. Cooper? Uh, yeah. D.B. Cooper. I got this card from these guys I collect, heavy trading cards. And uh, D.B. Cooper is the guy that, I don't know, he what, he's still, yeah, right here, $200,000. Out of the from plane. a plane and yeah. skydived out of a plane and they'd never found him again so uh i just got this from heavy trading cards it came in today bro i just wanted to give it to you uh that just because i feel like i don't know man you just remind me of him you're you're just a crazy dude you're always pushing it and uh That's i don't know bro cool. I, I was even in high school man i looked up to you you were uh you were just always grinding bro always always uh taking it 100 percent y'all don't give yourself enough credit though I don't know, man. As soon as you guys left, bro. As soon as you guys left, we were definitely not as good, bro. So. Hey, you guys had some pretty tough guys, though, man. Yeah. We were all right. But episode 93, I'm out. I'm going to close it out. Let me close out this video nice first. Nice to see y'all. Yeah, bro. Close out this.